Hello, bookshelvers. Steve here. And before we get back to the podcast, I want to tell you about something exciting that we have just launched. It's called Packed Lunches. And basically, the idea is that every Tuesday around lunchtime, we're going to deliver to your inbox straight from us some dog musings, could be a blog, could be an anecdote, could just be a basic brain fart about dogs from either Nat, myself, Corin, or indeed Jay. Um, the idea is that we get to talk about things across the week that have um, pricked our ears up, things that maybe we've seen on TV, on social media, something like that about dogs and get us all thinking a little bit more about dogs. So if that sounds fun, all you have to do is go to our website, which is packed-dogs.com. That's packed-dogs.com. You'll see a little box on the homepage there. Pop in your details and you'll be added to the list. Can't wait to talk more dogs with you. So I want to become a dog trainer, oh, yeah? but when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. If you love dogs like we do too Pact, we are indeed the place for you Pact, it's time to take that leap of faith Pact, delay no further while you wait Pact, we are a super friendly team Pact, come and join and start your dream Come find us at pact-dogs.com Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Here we go. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hello. I never recorded. I said I was going to go three, two, one, and then hit record, and then promptly didn't go three, two, one, and just went straight. No, for you it. just started talking. But hey ho, we're recording. We're in this yeah. flying by the seat of our pants, Natalie. I forgot. I forgot what to do. You forgot what, what to do. do? Yeah, we haven't done one of these for so long. I. What do we do? Talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we fly by the seat of our pants. Talk we shit. Do. I mean, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Whatever comes to mind, I think, especially in this intro section. That's how we normally do. We've been gone for a little while, though, haven't we? We have. We have. Um, I'm not sure if I even had Bob when we last recorded. Is that? No, sure. Yeah, no, you definitely had Bob, didn't you? Because we would have last recorded just before the conference because we did a few recordings for 
oh yeah i see i'm not yeah That's okay yeah, yeah 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 yeah. that has happened yeah it's, i mean there's a lot should yeah. we do a whistle whistle stop tour through the last what uh, six months it's been sporadic hasn't it uh, the recording mm. in the last month and we've done a few things to sort of promote the dog x conference which is awesome i'm sure we'll talk about that but we are back to give you uh the podcast doggy cuddle that you all deserve um They've all been missing the jingle, Steve. Wow. I and, and it's a book review show. I know we've done interviews and there will be other interviews, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just interviews about books. But this why we got into this was to review books, wasn't it, Max? We love books. So this is a proper, proper, you know, sections to the podcast. I hope everyone's really excited. But should we give everyone a rundown of what, what we've been up to? What you've been up to and that? What have we been up to? Oh, God. <laughs> um, what have I been up to? So... Dog X happened. Mm. Uh, had some time off at Christmas. That was nice. Mm. Did some jigsaw puzzles. Mm. Um, got an air source heat pump installed in the house. Yes. That's quite exciting. Very exciting. Um, got a new floor. Mm. That was exciting. Um, Basically, you've rebuilt your house since. I rebuilt my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, oh, dug some holes and bought some cabins for the field. Um, also crashed into my own van with said digger. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I don't think that counts as a Natalie injury odyssey, does it? No, but no. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the jingle in anyway because I like the jingle. Um, because because okay. you yeah. injured your van, right? Natalie's injury odyssey. I smashed one of the lights uh, because I was so excited about digging that I swung the bucket of the digger round, forgetting that I had parked my van there. Oops. It's not your first rodeo with a digger, is it? You do you do like to jump on a digger whenever you can. I any kind of machinery, large machinery, I I'm I'm in. Um, once, uh, do you remember when it was my birthday and we were at the field and that there was a guy in a really flashy tractor like hay baling next door yes um and i i jumped over the fence and ran up to the tractor and asked him if i could have a go which he let me and <laughs> it was amazing and that, yeah best birthday ever it's like a it feels like a sort of like sepia sort of fantasy <laughs> <laughs> of yours yeah, <laughs> Jump, I don't even jumping over a fence to join a man on a tractor <laughs> it's a little bit um theresa may isn't it it is a little bit <laughs> frolicking may. through fields of wheat <laughs> you are southampton's left-wing theresa may <laughs> <laughs> no, put that really, in your that's... linkedin profile <laughs> oh god okay um uh yeah so um natalie lie always willing to ask for a ride on your tractor whoa there we go mm. that's a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> natalie lie always willing to ask for a ride let's just cut it short just cut that short right there <laughs> print them print them bob bob's our t-shirt man um okay what have you been up to so that's my my uh very simple uh, good life in a nutshell what have you been doing i've done lots of similar things because obviously we're good friends so a uh, dog x was absolutely amazing wasn't it it was an absolute for anyone who's listening who came to dog x um thank Why you weren't you there yeah if you did did come thank you if you did come thank you if you didn't why not yeah what what is going on in your brain 
Um, yeah. But don't worry, because there will be one this year. So um, so hold on. Hold on to your hats. But we're coming again. We were very close to sold out, weren't we? Yes. But we Because we held back a few seats because we weren't sure how full it would be if it was full. Yeah, whether it'd be uncomfortable um, in terms of yeah. your watching experience. But, I but think... this year we're opening up a few more because I think it'll be okay. Oh, it was so good. It was so yeah. good. I, I mean, uh, we had Grisha Stewart. Obviously, people listen to the podcast mm. will uh, know who Grisha is, I'm sure. Um, oh, we had loads of people, loads of people. Tom was there. Was... Oh, but my, but Melissa. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm oh, my God. Melissa. Melissa, Melissa was I, I will say this because I know Melissa will listen to this podcast, um, I'm sure. But uh, I, because Melissa was one of the last people to present in the day and you just you just knew safe hands with Melissa. But yeah. because, because it's quite an emotional experience, I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Like being there at the conference and running the conference and trying to make sure everything happens on time and dealing with yep. any sort of situations that may arise as they do, which they do. Um, and they did. Yeah, and they did. And yeah. by and by the end of it, um, wonderful presentations from everyone. But Melissa's was just a real highlight for me because she was just brilliant. She was a, a ball of energy, as only Melissa can do. And it was just awesome. And it was great. And I loved everyone's talk. Amber was there again. Oh, my God. If you like dogs, if you like dog training, come to Dog X. A one-day event. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. If you like our sort of personality, our style, our have a giggle, we're doing things a bit differently. I think dog conferences can be a little bit stuffy, Natalie, sometimes. You know what I mean? A little bit beard strokey. And I like to think that we do it a little bit different. So if you want a bit more of a relaxed atmosphere, listen to some live music, not be so, um, you know, uptight. It's <laughs> something really bad. Yeah, I mean, just come along, come along, be yourself, have some fun with us. Mm-hmm. It's it's all it's all in, in good fun. Exactly, exactly. No important welfare stuff behind it um yeah it was great uh the year before was great um and we're just gonna get better on year on year i think i don't see why not why not that's a name isn't it so mm-hmm. yeah other than that i've been obviously packed is still going we're still we're still forging ahead with pack that's been absolutely wonderful um been busy isn't it yeah we've got a little robin down our field now called big rob um, nice. Who we're feeding? Mm-hmm. We're feeding mealworms. Um, I heard that you actually bought Big Rob the most expensive bougie mealworms you could find. I thought I I was under the impression that mealworms were mealworms. You know what I mean? So I went into this sort of like boutique pet shop, um, at a local sort of outlet shopping center place, and I was like, "You got any mealworms?" And yeah, I bought this bag. Apparently, I've been. They saw me coming. They, they saw you coming, mate. They honestly, no wonder Big Rob is. Is on it. Well, I hear Big Rob also has um, competition from the crows. Yeah, the crows have cottoned on that we're spreading mealworms around. So you got you got to hang around down there because the crows won't come down if you're hanging around. And Big Rob can then eat. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you leave, the crows come in and scare little little Big Rob away. Um, little Big Rob. Yeah, bless him. But you know, crows got to eat too, haven't they? You know, so. Um, yeah, I mean, the crows at my field eat dog poo, so I feel like you know. They they're okay. <laughs> they'll, they'll survive. There's plenty. <laughs> I tell you what did happen to me the other day, and I know I haven't told you this story, and you're going to like this one. So I pulled. I went to do a bit of shopping at Tesco's, right? And I pulled up 
in me I was, I was driving the mighty fiat doblo my favorite vehicle um and i pulled up on the car park right and i looked to my right hand side and there was a guy in a car next to me with the most amazing hair you've seen the detectorists right you know you know the pair that are kind of the enemy that turn out to be Love them. yeah well no. like a kind of um afro mullet yeah, like a sort of Afro mullet hairdo. So I, I pulled up next to him. I'm looking at him, and I like I like a, a good set of hair, probably because I haven't got one myself. So sometimes I always get an envious gaze. Yeah, sometimes I get told off by Corinne for staring a little bit too long at people. She doesn't like it. But if I'm in the car, me and I can stare for as long as I like. <laughs> so I'm pulling. Up, I'm looking at his car. I'm like, oh, Put I'm your a, hands up. I'm appreciating his hairdo, right? And then he catches my gaze, right? Right. And he's smiling at me. Right, yeah. in quite a night, in quite a, like a big, big beaming sort of smile at me. So if oh, you can okay. picture this, I'm in my car, he's in his car, we're next to one another. I'm looking at his hair and now his face, and he's looking back at me and he's smiling. And as he's sort of smiling at me again, because I stare for too long, I'm, I'm holding his gaze for a bit long. He starts moving, like so. He starts like reversing his car out of the parking space, and I'm yeah. looking, and but he's not breaking eye contact with me, so he's. So he's sort of smiling at me, if you can imagine his head slightly turning towards my car, but moving. So he's backing. Right. So for the first second, you're like, okay, this is slightly weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. But then as he's moving more, I'm like, why is he still staring at me when he's moving? Why is he not why is he not looking where he's going? Why is he not looking in his mirrors or anything? Why is he yeah, he yeah. might he might reverse into someone? I'm getting quite panicked. And it was at that moment that I realised I hadn't put my handbrake on it. It was me that was moving. Oh, oh, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> numpty. You know when you're in like a train and you pull up next to another train and then yeah, that and then train you're like, starts ah, moving. moving. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah. exactly that experience. And So how many old ladies did you knock down? Lucky enough, there was no one behind me. Um, it, was a it was a very gentle slope. So I wasn't going, wasn't going too fast. But So was he just laughing at the fact that what was going through his head? I don't He's know. He's like, why is this guy looking at me and why is he moving backwards? I never had a chance to ask him. I wish I did. We'll never know. Yeah. Um, but we're both kind of smiling at each other. And I was the best. He's probably thinking, why is he looking at me and not looking at his mirrors? Yeah. And he's probably thinking the same thing, rightly so, because, you know, I was there putting people's life in danger in Tesco's car park. But uh... Okay, so avoid Burzeldon Tesco's when there's yep. a Dobbo around. Sometimes I just forget, you know. Yeah, well, probably shouldn't. I mean, I I had uh, that does remind me of a story, and I'm not trying to top trump you here. No, go on. But I did have to dive between a car and my van to save my. So actually, hang on, this is karma. This is why I then dinged my own van okay. because I squished myself. It was being Q car park. Someone else hadn't put their handbrake on. Hang on, hold on, and hold on. Yeah. Natalie's Injury Odyssey. Okay, Karen, I just want to put the Nats Injury Odyssey. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we were packing our van up and with the stuff we just bought and um, the car started like moving towards me and I thought there was a guy in it reversing and he kept coming, kept coming, kept coming and to the point where he's going to hit my van. So I banged on his... Um, uh, boot like mm. ready to go what are you doing man um, nothing happened so then I just I don't know it was just instinct I just stood between my van and the car so the car then crashed into me 
So I was the bumper, effectively. Um, oh, it's going really slow. Okay. Um, and uh, then this other guy, Jay's still loading our van up. I hadn't even noticed all this <sighs> going on. Um, this other guy saw it all happen and came running over. And I looked at him and I was like, what's going on? What's this guy doing? And he's like, there's no one in there. <laughs> <laughs> So again, oh that was a handbrake issue, yeah. Yeah, it was a handbrake issue. Oh my yeah. god, they go, they they happen, don't they? Be careful out they there, do. bookshelvers. Be careful out there. Make sure you a put your own handbrake on, but b yes. be prepared for handbrakes to be off across England. Mm-hmm. A- I felt like I was on, like you know, the world's strongest man when they pull a car along. Yep. A little bit like that. <laughs> um, I paid good money to see you. Except chalk- I was chalked up pulling stuck. along a Fiat. <laughs> Uno or something like that. I've got about the same size gut as most of those guys. So, yeah, oh, what I love to watch. But hang on, we're gonna. This intro is gonna be longer than the podcast. We keep. Going I know, yeah, but yeah, I do yeah. like a Sorry, bit of World's right. Strongest Man round. He's brilliant. Round I love New it. Year. Right? Yeah. <laughs> shall we? So we've all made it through. No one's dead. That's good. Yes, that's good. <laughs> shall we have a quick talk about the book that we will be discussing today? Yes, please. So we will be talking about uh, bookshelvers. How to raise a puppy. A dog-centric approach, written by Stephanie Rousseau and Chuid Rugas, who was the first person that we ever had on the podcast. Yeah, but, but return, returning. Well, obviously, it was only we we're only interviewing Stephanie today. Yeah. Um, but both Stephanie and Chuid have been on the podcast before, returning guests, mm-hmm. and they have produced this wonderful book. Um, which when did it come out? I'm 100% sure. I think it was only last year, in fairness. Yeah, I think it's pretty recent. Yeah, 2023. Um, I wanted this to be the first one because um, it's great, as are all the books that we... this. Well, we say this is this is a, a recommend show, not a review show yeah, as such, isn't exactly. it? Because we, we like to read the books first and make sure there's something that we would definitely recommend. But um, this one has been really... Um, I, I've used a lot of this to reshape my kind of puppy classes, um, mm. how I think about puppies and things. So I thought this would be a really good book to kick us off. And love, lovely Stephanie has agreed to come on and talk to us about the book. So very excited. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great. And it's, um, I think it fits with our ethos and our approach to raising a puppy as well, doesn't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting about it. So without further ado, should we make our way into the why read it section? Hang on, I'll I'll get my digger and dig us in. <laughs> Clang. <laughs> why read it? Okay, so why read it? Nice to nice to hear the jingles again. Jingly jingles. Um, They'll be stuck in everyone's head. It's good. Yes. So why read this book? So how to raise a puppy, dog-centric approach. Oh, well, I think the title kind of says it all, doesn't it? Um, it, it is a bit Ron Seal, isn't it? Yeah. It just says exactly what it does on the tin. Exactly. <laughs> We're ageing ourselves there. Do they still use that as a tagline, do you think? They God, should I don't know. I don't know. Is Ron Seal still even a thing? I don't know. I mean, Calgon is. So maybe Ron Seal is. They're the same era, aren't they? What's the Calgon one? Everything. Washing machines will live longer with Calgon. They certainly do. There we yeah. go. We're not sponsored by Calgon, ladies and gentlemen. No, we're not. I'm sorry. I probably. Well, we'll take the royalties, though. Other washing um... <laughs> machine cleaning tablets are available. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the book. Sorry, I'm going off on one. Um, 
yeah uh, well where do we start basically why read it uh read it if you're thinking about getting a puppy reading about read it if you want to know more about um the dog's point of view and you know cohabitation of species is uh read it if you work with people with puppies so that you can get some extra insight to share with your your human clients yep if you know someone that's going to get a puppy it's a good book to buy them obviously Mm -hmm. like the book the book that's on everyone's lips when you talk about puppies is and probably will be for a few more years to come easy peasy puppy squeezy because it's a it's a nice user-friendly kind of thing that for a novice first-time puppy owner um it's easy it's written in Mm -hmm. steve's style um this is this is a different beast if if i may say so it's um it's more of a sort of like almost a puppy training kind of bible and because it is it's like that that dog centric approach it's in the title ron seal mm-hmm. um <laughs> it it is a deeper dive than say easy peasy puppy squeezy so it might be a little bit i don't know if they'd be happy with me saying this but a little bit harder to kind of get into and pull apart but it really is it really opens the door to that dog centric approach it really it really may it would make you think oh okay i i can look at this from the puppy's point of view rather than the this is what i need the dog to be doing you know at this point at this point i need this i need this i need this it gives you more of an understanding about why these things are happening and how you could you can use what it's like to to live as a dog in order to help you live more harmoniously with a dog. Does that make sense? Makes complete sense, That's mate. Good thing. And I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, all those training books out there that are about settling in a puppy, of course, we're not we're not knocking them at all. No. But you you're gonna have different types of clients. And some of some clients are more of a why client, but why, but you know, how, why, rather than just what. And I think this would be really good for them. You know, when people want that little bit more mm. information um, of, of, yeah, the, the the why. Some people are interested in this psychology and the upbringing and all that kind of stuff. I think this would be a good one for them to go to. Uh, I also think it'd be a good one for uh, those uh, sort of guardians that maybe have had and raised puppies in the kind of traditional this is what we do this is the toilet training routine blah 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 if they want to maybe dare i say it move into more of a a sort of well-being welfare state of mind with with raising uh, a dog um and thinking about those that canine hierarchy of needs and how maybe humans fall a bit short of, of meeting those needs sometimes and i think this yeah. is a good starting point to be considering those you know i i completely agree with that and and actually i remember when we when we interviewed i bring this up quite a lot actually because it really stuck with me so when we interviewed Turid on the first episode go back and listen um <laughs> i remember Turid bringing up about this idea that dog training is like a pendulum and it yeah, swings yeah. out one way and probably swings maybe a bit too far that way sometimes and then comes back and swings back the other way. I think we're I think we're living in this mad swinging out a little bit too far one way pendulum thing at the moment with the kind of 
don't want to go into it too much here, but the sort of culture wars between trainers and and method methodology, etc. Mm. That kind that kind of thing. And I I actually think that this book it it goes a long way to to flipping that on its head a little bit and 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 you know if if you were kind of thinking it from a more human centric leadership type sort of like place and you mm-hmm. read this i think it it would do a good job to to maybe make make you look at things in a in a slightly different way and what is the point in having a mind Natalie Light, if you're not prepared to change it, I can't remember who says that. It might be James O'Brien. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And this yeah, has like actually that. it's actually changed my mind about a couple of things. We'll get into that, I think, with Steph with Stephanie later on. Um, and that pendulum is swinging all over the place at the moment, isn't it? And that actually, the dog centric approach to things um, is 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 big at the moment. Um, in juxtaposition with the other side of things, which is also seemingly big at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I think um, I think there are sort of uh, battles or mindset changes that we can can win, and those that are a lot more difficult. And to keep your sanity intact, you probably <laughs> don't necessarily need to go down that route. But yeah, th- this is a, a book that could do a lot of the heavy lifting for us if we've got. Um, uh, you know maybe um you know for, like families with their kids uh, parenting skills have always been very different mm. as well and I'm sure that will never change um but it yeah it's just about being open to suggestions and um I always think the best thing about knowledge is that um you can sort of pick bits that yeah that that fits with me and my lifestyle and my ethics and the way that I uh you know live with my dogs um and you maybe don't go as far down the track with some other ideas but you can still respect them um from an ethical perspective and um yeah i think this this book does that quite well uh if you're picking it up expecting it to be step one two three of of toilet training it's 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 probably um less of a protocol like less of a Haynes manual if you yeah. know what I mean yeah. it's more of a um uh, sort of I don't know health and well-being and just learning how wonderful dogs are yeah. um and what their behaviors are and what they would do if they weren't being micromanaged by humans every five seconds mm. and how they see the world and all that kind of stuff I think this book like it sums up um something that happened to me today actually um so um when i i am getting to a point by the way so (laughs) this is my why read it okay so read this book if when you're on a walk with your dog and something happens and you think what's that all about Mm. you're interested in the why you may never find out but Something happened to me today, which was really interesting. So there's this one telegraph pole at, at the field that I walk um, with my dogs. Yeah. And Bob, every time we go past it, she will bark at the telegraph pole. She's never barked at another telegraph pole. I don't know uh, what it is. At first, I thought it was because there was a bird on top. No, it's not that. Anyway, I've just put it down to one of those things. Um, 
but I always had that question mark. Today I went walking with my friend who um, is an electrical engineer and she said she saw Bob do it. And I said, oh, yeah, she always barks at that one. She said, oh, I wonder if the fuse circuitry something technical, insert engineering term here, yep. um, is gone on that. And it'll be emitting um, some kind of sound that I can't hear. Yeah. Yep. And that's why Bobby's barking at it. That's my very long-winded reason of why I read this book. <laughs> Does that make sense? I really like that, yeah, because, it, because yeah, they're, 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 what this book does do is it explains, you know, the pitfalls of certain approaches um, and the reasoning for adopting a new approach. And, and it talks through the reasoning behind that, you know, the reason why it might be difficult to expect your dog at eight weeks old to sleep on their own in a room, you know, mm. um, and, mm -hmm. and what it is, you know, based on a, you know, a social aspect of evolution that, that, that they need to be close to you mm -hmm. and, and how expecting them to be, you know, I mean, we'll get into all of this later on. Why read it? It's blooming marvellous. That's why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's also this lovely little bit that, that's peppered throughout where they, they follow a dog called Scout that's been adopted from the Dogs Trust, uh, sort of 12 mm. weeks old. Um, and his caregiver, Georgia, that just pops up little updates from Scout, like, you know, 12 weeks, we're doing this. This is how he spent his first night. And we experienced these challenges you know, it's really nice. There's case studies in there as well. It really is a, it really is a good, good book. It's great for trainers to read because it will, um, you know, prick your eyes, as we like to say, to certain things. <laughs> and it's also, I do think it's a good, it's a really, really good book for um, the general public to read as well. You know what it's like in, in puppy classes. It's a really, they talk about puppy classes in the book a little bit as well. Mm. Um, but it's a, uh, it, you want you want puppy classes almost to be like people without the puppy just so you can like it so it's like a yeah, yeah. so it's like yeah. a lecture and i think there's a good shout for for that as well and the more that i'm doing puppy classes the more it's kind of a, like we have long periods of sitting down with chews and chilling mm -hmm. out and just you know getting used to the environment whilst whilst we talk about these sorts of topics but there's so much info. You want to give people so much information and you can't. You've got 45 minutes or whatever yeah. and you can yeah. send them notes and stuff, but you never really know who's reading the notes. You can make videos and things like this. This would be a nice complimentary sort of like text for those. You said it before for those people that are like, yeah, but why, but why? The people that do want mm -hmm. to read more and understand more, this would be a perfect kind of complimentary text to go along with like a, a puppy class because you can look through. Also, you know, it's all referenced, um, all of the studies that they reference in here um, are put in the back. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, if you're really, really geeky, you can go and check them out. They they reference other books. If you want to learn more about this, um, go and read these books. Um, obviously, some of the books by Turid about um, body language, things like that. Um, they reference um, Steph's amazing book, Office Dogs, the manual in there. Yay! Um, episode twenty-one. If you want to go and listen about that, um, but, excellent. Yeah, nice plug there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone would think I prepped that, wouldn't they? I know, I know. Well done, mate. <laughs> it's good. It's really, really good. There's pictures. If you like pictures, there's pictures of cute puppies. There's a picture of a gang of Newfoundland puppies, which I'm just I'm oh god, slightly obsessed with. Step away, puppies at the moment. I've got to say. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful book. Um, as with all the books that we always recommend on this podcast. Um, go out, get it, 
have a read if you have read it drop us a little message and, and let us know what you think yeah let us know what you think okie dokie right right well let us move on because i've got I, I we don't often do this section but i want to introduce um a practical application based on something that is in the book okay. Ooh. so have a little break for our little jingle Ten hit. Right here we go. Yeah, uh, we're back. Practical applications. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sniggering a little bit because we were just not recording, and and seems like Nat's going to tell some stories about who she slept with. I am going to tell <laughs> that. That was for your ears only, Mr. Goodall. But hey ho, uh, listen on for the nocturnal escapades of Natalie Light. Oh, oh, oh! It's getting hot in here. Um, <laughs> Right. Okay. So the practical application, so that people aren't in tender hooks uh, for too long, is so there's a there's a wonderful bit in the book about um, it's always a bone of contention, isn't it? Like first nights and sleeping arrangements with a puppy when you first get a puppy. And I think yeah. most of people listening to this will be kind of of the the converted kind that are like you know you're much better um, spending the first nights, weeks, months, you know, with sleeping with your maybe forever like sleeping with your dogs they're a social I, I doubt we've got any kind of let them cry it out no, listening but, but just, if we have welcome you're very welcome yeah. um you know listen on um and you may change your opinions so we we, we I, I would i would give that advice to uh, new puppy guardians people thinking about getting puppies and this is why things are so important that you're trying to get to puppy owners before they get their puppies because you can start to mm. float these ideas because it's important, you know, that you get these first nights right, these first weeks right, all of those things. And it's a tough sell for some people. It really, really is. But mm. um, the book goes really, it, it talks about why um, you should sleep with your dog. It goes as far as to say, like, the most preferred option is having the puppy in bed with you. And I think that's probably the toughest sell when it comes to um, Joe Public. Yeah, I think maybe, I mean, thinking of my kind of clinical experience, I think most people that have got there have done it because they are suffering very badly from sleep deprivation mm -hmm. and uh, they just give up. And yeah, that's that. Um, and so it's it's nice to be able to kind of reaffirm that, OK, that's all right. Yeah. And this is why it's all right. And this is why your dog needs to do it. And how do you feel about that? Um, but it also it also makes me really sad about all those dogs that are. Yeah. On and, and it's cold <laughs> kitchen floor. Whoa. Yeah. The utility room. The, yeah. you know, suddenly, suddenly everything goes dark. You just got to look. You've got to look at the. And again, this book goes really far into explaining this really well but um there's a little passage in the book that i wrote down here so dispersal um shows that in the wild street dogs you know wild canids you know two-thirds of pups never leave their mum mm. ever mm -hmm. ever that's two-thirds and for mm -hmm. those that do they don't generally that i think they say that the mean is generally it's nine months that mm -hmm. they start leaving and wandering out and building the confidence to go out on their own. And if you just play that around in your head a little bit, so in, in the wild again, 
um, or or in scenarios where they have complete agency over when this happens, as naturally maybe is the best way to say it, as it occurs, some never go and some mm-hmm. take up to nine months for that confidence to, to, I don't know if confidence is the right word, or for, for that stage in their life to appear where they're happy enough to sleep away mm-hmm. or, or given choice they would maybe sleep away. Um, mm. And when you think, when you roll that around in your head, you're like, yeah, well, and we want them by 16 weeks sleeping downstairs in a crate, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I'm not knocking anyone that goes for that approach, but. No you, way. No, no, no. No judgment here. Yeah. Never, never, never any judgment. I've been one of those people myself before, like for full transparency. But when you start throwing those numbers around, for me anyway, where my brain goes is, well, that makes perfect perfect sense and it also it also takes a bit of pressure off as well doesn't it because the, the amount of pressure that um new puppy guardians are under you know one you, you yeah. can you can only imagine you go you're, you're going on youtube you're looking at tiktok you're hearing this from there that from there everyone's like don't make a rod for your back stick them straight you know yeah. and, uh, you know if they cry, you let them cry it out and then on the other side you've got people like going you know, no, 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 you need to, you know, sleep with them for 15 years and, you know, like never, <laughs> never, never let them leave your site. You know, it, it's difficult, right? I get it. Mm. But, and again, this is why this book is good because they, they talk through like what would naturally occur. Now, obviously that's what would naturally occur and it is a slightly different scenario maybe in, in, in our human worlds. But, yeah, you, know, you start thinking about things like, oh, we, we adopt puppies at eight weeks old you know um they're weaned between sort of five and six weeks and again like wild canids aren't really weaned until seven to 13 weeks and all these numbers they're not matching you know it's it's kind of it's all done done from the human centric side of how we would like it to play out um i've always thought the adopt i think we've talked about before but the adopting at eight weeks seems bizarre considering the sort of fear stages and 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 things like that the potential for yeah. things to go wrong and but then also oh god there's just so many factors i don't think there's really a there would be a right time because no. if the if the 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 breeding environment isn't right yeah. you want to get that pup out of there and earlier, experience maybe. other things earlier yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so i think um i think the key thing and maybe what we get that pushback on is um still this kind of uh dominance pack leader type mm. thinking where um if if we allow our dogs to fulfill their needs their ethological needs all the stuff that you've just talked about all those timings that that we are giving into them and yeah. we are um you know um making a rod for our back for you know all that all those kind of sayings that you can think of and it's actually like well no <laughs> this mm. is what they need and um i think it's a really hard thing to articulate and i it, you know i really struggle without just sounding like i am a complete pushover um but because i'm i'm not there there are um you know, it's not complete chaos here. Mostly <laughs> chaos, but um, Glo- uh, glorious chaos. Glorious chaos <laughs> of dogs being dogs. Yeah. yeah, and I think um, as much. I think this book gives um, guardians a really good uh, kind of 
uh, standpoint of, okay, well, this is what a dog might do um, if there wasn't all of those human interventions. How can, how do those match with my expectations of living with the dog? And how many are a goer and how many aren't? (laughs) You know, I completely understand if some people don't want dogs in their room, they might have asthma, they might have allergies, they Mm -hmm. might just be very different and and sort of house proud and uh, whatever whatever reason doesn't matter um uh but i think um it at least make an effort to do some do you know what i mean is that yep if you got it we don't have to be doing them all but we just as long as we're aware and okay you know and and the dogs are having a, a fulfilled kind of relationship with their human yeah um i mean i've always had a, a, my lot of rescue so it depends on what they want i've had a uh, grew and fish and bob from from quite young mm. um you know sort of under six months ish uh, so they were very much um in the room with us and um in in bed uh i kind of just let everybody figure it out because I mean, it would, let's face it, with my five, it would be chaos if they were all on the bed. It, I'd be living the dream. Jay would be on the sofa. Jay would be downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, Gru just loves the sofa to himself. Yeah. Um, in fact, la- la- he started now like barking us off to bed. He's sort of ushering us out the door, like, hey, come on, guys, you're tired now. Um, and Drax has an actual bed of his own, and I mean a single bed. Um, and the other three are up in the room, but so that there's also that individual difference, isn't there? Sometimes the dogs don't want to, but you know they're very independent and they want to go and lie somewhere else, or it's too hot. Yeah, I, so, and, I, and I like that that quote: the individual lived emotional experience of the animal. Yes. It's a bit of a mouthful, but. You te- that in that first part, the individual that yeah. that is just as important as the rest. Because you might get a dog that just likes to sleep in the utility room. You know, our yeah. our, our, yeah, new, yeah. our newfie Peach would probably pick to sleep in the garden on the cold concrete. Yes, yeah, she would. She if would. She, if she had a choice in the matter, I mean, she does sleep out there quite a lot, but we don't leave her overnight to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, so so she she yeah, the individual. You know that that this is what this is where I think dog training is going on we talked about you know the different you know the pendulum and the swing and that but mm-hmm. you know if it's heading more towards us looking at dogs as a as a whole as as what they would do naturally and how that can inform how we live with them brilliant but also if we're also looking you know it's the macro and the micro isn't it like you mm. know it's the outside view and then let's look at the individual as well mm-hmm. um, and everything that comes with that breed specifics you know all of these things and if we can if we can bring those things in, then we're going to have a much more fulfilled life with our dogs, which is what everyone wants, really. At the end of the day, everyone wants that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would hope so. Otherwise, I would question why are you living with a dog? So my practical application um, was going to be, um, and again, this is probably for trainers listening or even or even people that are really, really, really into their dogs and want to try something new. But it might be like changing sleeping arrangements or or how how could you um, talk through this with puppy guardians and mm-hmm. convince them maybe that, 
you know, puppy sleeping in the room is a good start. I mean, Stephanie and Turid seemingly would like them in the bed with you, but um, they do offer up sort of like variations of this, like a raised bed next to your bed. You've got a sort of system like that, haven't you? Like a little thing. Yeah, it's called, oh, it's called Close to Me, the I like brand. That, yep. Um, and it's like, it, if anyone knows what kind of co-sleeping cots look like, so it's basically um, a, a bed on on a stilt. So it it's an extension of my bed, so the dogs can lie on it, but they're the same um, height as us. Because yep. we know from all of Amber's, you know, brilliant talks as well, that sleep is very important and that dogs, if given the choice, most dogs would sleep... Um, uh close to us yeah and high up yeah so that's why you know most dogs will love love the bed so much so yeah um the close to me things is is really good so that's, um, that's a nice little practical tip for someone that's maybe yeah. running puppy classes like a nice sort of halfway sort of like not quite yeah. not quite right in the bed i mean i'm not saying that we don't crawl over and be with you um but at the very least a bed in the room you know um and, mm-hmm. and options to sleep i want to get on to um later on in our Greg Wallace moment, I want to get on to, to two amazing words that are in this book. But I think <laughs> I think as many I mean we've talked about jokingly about your addiction to buying dog beds now, but there's yes. a good there's a good reason for it. Your dogs have many, many options of where they want to lay their head. And the style, which we'll get onto later, and the way that dogs sleep, having lots of options is a good idea. You know? Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. And what what is a home if it's not a, a multitude of places that are comfy to sit yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's that is the oxford english description isn't it <laughs> well it would yeah i mean actually i'm describing like a padded cell now aren't i if i was an interior designer it'd be very interesting it'd just be sofas Again. floor sofas wall sofas ceiling sofas getting, all a, of it. getting a real insight into nat's house there <laughs> Padded cell with dogs. He is a bit like that. And Jay sleeping on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, babe. <laughs> so yeah, um, some some food for thought there. Very very um, uh, dog centric approach to sleeping and why and why they want to sleep with us and and why we should be encouraging it to a certain degree. There is another there is another side of this as well. It is also it turns out very important that humans get a good night's sleep as well yes yeah 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 so obviously you know there there you know they're, there's a bit of to and fro in here and you know there are wonderful benefits to sleeping with a dog that isn't waking up every four seconds and barking at the barn owl in your garden or whatever <laughs> you know um but if you're having a lot of broken night's sleep or contorting your body around a jack russell or whatever and it's causing you hip injuries and stuff like that then you know you might want to rethink it but this is why yeah you know that like options like that bed or a bed in the room or you know things like that uh, might be a good one but i i tell you what when she, sometimes penny sleeps in our room with us sometimes she doesn't and, and then she's quite happy sleeping in her little office that she's got she loves the room so we're she's very got comfortable a, a with lovely that. yeah plethora of comfy cozy stuff but i'll tell you what given the choice given the absolute choice of where to sleep she never refuses to be on the bed with us yeah she never would um and sometimes we're like do you know what i really need a good night's sleep tonight so sometimes (laughs) sometimes we're like okay you can sleep in the office but we know she's very comfortable doing that so it's not it's not an issue for her at all she's a happy little dog it's all right steve we believe you (laughs) (laughs) i to beaches for a walk 
and everything was fine. It wasn't very busy, and the weather was sublime. We'd done a few great recalls and practiced loose leader, but mostly we did sniffing because sniffs are basic media. And that is when it happened. I couldn't quite believe it. A million miles away from any washroom or convenience, my pictures did a poop and being conscientious man. I stooped down to collect. That's when it happened. Put my fingers through the poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag. What the hell am I gonna do? It's through the poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop bag. I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop bag. What the hell am I gonna do? It's through the Right then, shall we get to our interview? Um, yes, but before, um, let's uh, read out some Steph facts. Steph facts, everyone. So um, Dublin-based. You ever been to Dublin? Um, I've never been. I'd love to go to Dublin. Yes, I have been to Dublin. Have you? Yeah, I have. Did you have a Guinness? Um, of course. I've I've got a picture of me in a Dublin pub with a pint of Guinness and also... A baby Guinness. No, a baby Guinnesses. No, small Guinness. Uh, no, it was when, actually well, it was when I was vegetarian, not vegan. But it's um, it's like Kahlua coffee liqueur uh. with um, with a Bailey's poured on top, and they pour it. You know when you do it like over a spoon, so it doesn't disturb the yep. meniscus thing. Uh, so it it actually looks like a a baby Guinness. Nice. Very good. Sounds like a good night. It was had by all. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah do you know, do you know, know what? Me. I, I really like the non-alcoholic Guinnesses. I think they taste pretty good, although some, I, some I people hate them. I one of those. But, um, yeah. have, Jay's been drinking those over Christmas and stuff. But... I got to the first word of Steph's yeah, bio sorry, before anyway, I went I'm off gonna shut, Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to shut up. If you go off piece, I'm not joining uh, in. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, tangentially speaking. Uh, anyway, okay. Dublin-based Steph Rousseau is a dog behaviorist and owner of Steph's Dog Training. She is also the founder of Happy Office Dogs, which offers support and resources to dog-friendly workplaces, as well as to those considering introducing dog-friendly policies. Her book, Office Dogs, The Manual, episode 21 of Bars from the Bookshelf, if you're interested, <laughs> uh, was published in 2019. It has also been published internationally and mul God, multilingually. Multilingually. Pardon? I've done it. Um, uh, she sat on the board of the Pet Dog Trainers of Europe from 2017 to two, uh, 2020 and since 2013 has worked with hundreds of dogs and their humans in both London and Dublin. Rousseau has spoken at various events around the world, including the Pet Dog Trainers of Europe, PDTE, AGMs in Vienna, Austria, and Durham, UK, and the Dog Symposium in Norway, nonetheless. Um, she has appeared on national television and radio in Ireland, as well as on podcasts and radio stations in America, Australia, and beyond, now Southampton. Uh, <laughs> prior to dedicating herself to all things dog, she studied at Trinity College in Dublin and Cambridge University in the UK. 
And because I know we're only speaking to Stephanie today, but because the book is also authored by Turid, I'm going to read Turid's one out as well. Turid, yeah. Turid Rugas is an internationally renowned dog and equine behaviorist. Her series of courses for dog and horse instructors is known and respected worldwide. In 1984, she set up her own dog school and conducted several studies on dogs, one lasting two years and resulting in the publication of the book on talking terms with dogs. Episode one of Barks from the Book. <laughs> um, still a bestseller in many countries. Um, yeah, well, it's an amazing book, isn't it? Let's be honest. So following her attendance at the Human Animal Bond Conference in Montreal, Canada in 1991, Truid has travelled the world three to four times a month, giving talks and seminars and educating dog trainers in 17 countries. She has written three books, Calming, uh, Calming Signs on Talking Terms with Dogs, Barking, The Sound of a Language, and My Dog Paul's What Should I Do? Um, Rugas earned the Norwegian King Harald's Medal in 2018 for her work with dogs, and today she runs a new centre uh, with her daughter, Linda. Um, wow. I am very, very excited to talk to Stephanie today. Um, returning guest, first, first returning author? Oh, I don't know if I'm right oh. saying that. I know we've had we've had Danielle on before. She's been on a couple of times, and she we, um, we've had a couple of returnings, but I don't think we've had someone that's come back with a new publication. First returning author, Stephanie Russo. So shall we? Yes. It would be rude not to, wouldn't it? At this point, it would <laughs> probably because you know. Okay. Um, we've we've organised it with her, so let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go for it. I think we worked out actually um, on the run up to this that you are our first returning author to the podcast. Oh wow! Oh, that's yeah. an honor. <laughs> Thank you. There we we go. haven't bought you anything or made a certificate or anything, but you know, <laughs> hopefully, just the accolade is enough of a prize. If there's no presents, I'm afraid I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and, there, and there it was the uh, the, the quickest uh, yeah. interview we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, buy a present. Quick. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, I'll get on Google. <laughs> so I, I, I know, well, me and Nat are very well known for spending the first 10 minutes gushing over the books to people. Um, uh, so I was going to, I was going to try and not do too much gushing today, but I, I'm actually, now I'm sitting here, I am going to gush a little bit about it because I really, <laughs> I really, really do love this book. I really do. And, um, I would 100% recommend it for anyone that's thinking of getting a puppy, but also for dog trainers as well. Um, I think it's a, a valuable resource for dog trainers. Was that was that something that was intended along the way, or was it was it targeted more at sort of dog guardians? Both, I think. I had I had the great opportunity to learn from Tourid and to do her her education, which was a really wonderful experience. 
And Turid is so generous with with all of her knowledge. She really is. Um, and I guess what uh, part of what motivated me was that I, I wanted to share that philosophy. And I think for most dog trainers, when they meet Turid, even if they've been doing it a very long time, I think there's always something really special to learn from Turid. So, yes, I guess it was for for people who hadn't had that same luxury of spending, you know, 18 months learning from Turid that they would get an insight into her philosophy and and how to apply how to apply it to puppies so yeah I guess trainers dog lovers dog guardians anyone who wants maybe a little bit of an alternative um approach to puppies than what we've maybe been fed down through the years yeah I and and it really it really comes across in that way shape and form you've answered one of my questions a little bit there because I thought it'd be nice to get a bit of background how this sort of collaboration came around if I remember rightly, Steph, I think you might have mentioned this when we were on the call when we I were think, talking yeah, about. Yeah, we had. You were very excited, but you couldn't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. Actually, I remember that. And here and we yeah, are. What happened was when I was doing Tourid's education. That's what the last book that I spoke to you guys that I did came out of. Because for my for my kind of final project for Tourid's course. Yeah, that was I, like your thesis, wasn't it? That was, that was yeah, my yeah, thesis, yeah. yes. Um, and Tourid had said to me that that she would like to publish it with her Norwegian company. So I had just thought it would be a kind of an e-book on my own website. Um, but she was the one who got me thinking about actually publishing it. And then what had happened was when I was doing that course, at one point, somebody on the course put up their hand and asked Turid if she could recommend any books about puppies. And, you know, Turid doesn't pull her punches. And she huh. said, no, she couldn't recommend any puppy book. She didn't like any of them. Um, and that somebody should write Ooh, a good that's, puppy that's book. A, that's a dagger to the heart for all those puppy book authors out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that had, I'd always remembered that. And yeah. then I think, because I'd finished the office dog books, I'd really enjoyed doing it. Um, and it kind of got me thinking that maybe, you know, maybe the puppy book was what was required next. But I I felt what I wanted to write was Tourid's philosophy. So I thought it would be very kind of derivative and not very fair for me to come along and write down all of Tourid's stuff and sell it as as my book. Mm. Um, so I cornered her at one of the Pet Dog Trainers of Europe ADMs and I said to her, look, Tourid, would you be interested in doing this together? And she was a bit reluctant at first. And she said, no, 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 you do it and I'll help. And I said, no, it's it's your philosophy. So I'd, I'd like us to do it together. So she kind of reluctantly agreed. <laughs> and that was just before COVID, of course. So initially the plan had been, I'll come over, I'll visit you. We'll kind of do it in person. Um, and then COVID happened. So we just did it. We just started doing it. And we were emailing back and forth and Zooming. And, and that's how it how it kind of happened. And then after COVID, I did manage to get over to her for a few days to to put the finishing touches to it, but it was pretty much done by then. There's a, wow. I, I love, um, I love hearing stories about Turid. I really do. We, we, we interviewed Sindor uh, recently about yeah. her book as well. And she's got a great, oh my God, this she's is hilarious. got a great story in her book about, because she stayed with Turid for a while, I think. And yeah. I think maybe the first or second day that she was with Turid, they were all sat outside her cabin, like in the cabin looks out towards the woodlands or something like that. They painted this wonderful picture. And then suddenly Turid and her dog just got up and walked off. 
And Sindor sort of sat there for a little bit, sort of like going, am I, am I supposed to go with them? Like no one said anything. They were, and eventually she, she goes inside and she says, oh, what, what, what was going on there? Why did everyone suddenly get up and walk off? And Turid says something along the lines of, um, oh, didn't you see, um, I can't remember what a dog was called, but didn't you see my dog? He was clearly saying that there's probably a bear or something out there. <laughs> Cinder was all like, "Oh, th thanks for letting me know." I was just sort of, sort of sat out there. Like, I love. I think these people you you build up this. Obviously, we've interviewed Turid before. She was the first guest on our podcast, and it was a wonderful first guest to have. But these people that build up these kind of mythical, almost like magical, they're like the Yodas of the dog training world, you know, like sort yeah. of thing. Um, so yeah, I love hearing. It's a little Yoda of dog. Why? Yeah, it fits doesn't it? It, it, it really fits. And I, I remember uh, when we spoke to her and afterwards we had we had dinner together, didn't we, Steve, yeah. at your house? And we kind of went downstairs and Jay and Corin were down there and we were like, did that just actually happen? <laughs> like, it was just, yeah, lifetime high, weird moment, but it was brilliant. So did... she is, she's wonderful and she is, she's so generous with her knowledge. I don't think I've ever met anyone so generous with their knowledge as tour it is yeah yeah i yeah i i've always been really interested in doing one of the courses or something i should should look into it it'd be really really interesting did you did you ever so i'm, I'm guessing i know the answer to this question because of the way that the book came about but were there any ever points where you always in tune with the themes of the book or were there points where you might have you know mildly butted heads against some of the sort of techniques and things that are that are outlined in the book I wouldn't dream of butting heads <laughs> no. with Tori for anything. <laughs> thought that might be the answer. <laughs> but no, there were things because we were obviously we were sending things back and forth and Tori being Tori, there were some things that I sent her and she said, no, 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 that's not right at all. This is what happens or, you know, this is this is what you what we need to do. I think um, I think there was it was there something around the socialization bit. Mm hmm. That had to be redone. She wasn't happy with something in that. Um, and yeah, there were a few there were a few sort of small things, but there was there was no major ideological things. There were just things that she knew better than I did, essentially. And I I bowed to her greater wisdom. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to get very wisely, you yeah. Don't, you don't want to get lightsabered in half, do you? <laughs> would be the worst outcome <laughs> so i i love that i think the title that a dog centric approach says says everything you need to know about this book um yeah. and again when we spoke to turridge and we've talked about this before we've done a little bit of talking before you came on breaking down the fourth wall there stuff a little bit but yeah. turridge talked about this kind of pendulum of the way that dog training tends to swing so you get it goes off this way and then comes back that way and like a pendulum um and i think this this dog centric approach um the emotional experience of the dogs is 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 writ quite large in the world of dog training at least this is what we're seeing from you know reflected back at us from our algorithms and things um mm. and it's a wonderful thing to see it's wonderful to see people taking a more um dog centric approach to how they uh live with um cohabit with with dogs um, and having a book out there that 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 starts from dot from puppyhood looking at this, I think is an invaluable resource. Um, 
do you think that um this is something that this is the way it's going is this the way that because things are things are weird in the world of dog training at the moment we're getting you know that that pendulum is seemingly swinging both ways at the same time um and in one side we're all going in this direction and the other side you know which seems to be getting louder as well with things like balanced dog training i mean your hopes more that you know the good wins out <laughs> the jedis win i don't know if i'm looking at star wars analogies everywhere but is that your hope, would you say, Steph? Definitely. And I, I am an optimist. And I generally, what I certainly like to think is that as a species, we are we are becoming a little bit more enlightened. <laughs> and I know there is all the horrible stuff. And I, I have to say where I am, I've seen more e-collars and prong collars maybe in the past year than I ever did previously. Um, but as you say, on the other hand, I think there are far more people buying in to that idea of recognizing dogs as sentient beings and having a little bit more of a a compassionate approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, yeah, I like to think on the whole, we are improving and maybe maybe I'm in an echo chamber. But while while there are those people who are obviously on that much darker path when it comes to dog training, I feel like most of the people I have come across, even if they're not doing things the way I would or the way Turid would, at least they're not using those aversive tools and they're not using punishment. Yeah. Um, whereas I think, I'd imagine, if you went back 50 years, it was a very different story. It was probably the opposite. There were very few people you'd come across who were using who were using positive reinforcement. Um, so I hope it's moving in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, you you was you were talking that earlier, weren't you, about the sort of parallels with parenting, in terms of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's always going to be different because of the the difference in people's upbringing and you know the human experience of life. There's always going to be a difference, and uh, I think can we expect someone that might parent their their human children in a certain way to be more compassionate with a non-human species probably not maybe that's a leap too far but I think uh, I think that you know the human parenting seems to be going in in the more compassionate direction and um you know even things other it's a silly example but um I think a couple of years ago some research came out it may even be older about uh when you're a teenager, teenage human, you know, you need a lot more sleep and uh, your brain needs feeding. And basically the advice from scientists now is, you know, let your teenager sleep, let them eat whatever junk food they need. It's a really tough time and their bodies need all of this fuel and sleep. Um, And I guess that would have never been the case. In the, I mean, even in my teenage years, that was a, you know, get your lazy butt out of bed type <laughs> scenario. So um, I, I, I am an optimist with you as well. Um, and I think the fact that this book is on the shelves, um, uh, you know, shouts that out loud, really. Yes, um, yes. And, it's great that we could we could find you know I was I was actually surprised when um Taylor and Francis said they would publish it because we'd kind of struggled a little bit 
to get it published. Wow. Really? Because I think a lot of places, a lot of publishers we'd spoken to had already published puppy books. So this isn't what they said to us, but Tour had said they don't want they don't want two competing puppy books on their books. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I can't remember. I think it was Rachel Grisma. Do you know who does the calming signs of horses? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was her because I think they published her book on the calming signs of horses. And I think it was she who recommended that I contact um, Taylor and Francis and gave me the name. Oh, no, she emailed her contact there and said that myself and Toward were doing this book and would they be interested? Um, Alice was the lady's name. And she said, definitely. And they and actually it was Alice who came up with the with the subtitle, the dog centric approach, because we oh, were kind okay. of struggling. I love, I love, uh, yeah, I love that. And what yeah. a lovely example of um, sort of joint working and community feel yes. because we're all we're all on each other's side. So <laughs> I know. You know we should be uh, elevating people a lot a lot more than we maybe do sometimes. Um, Especially women. That is one yeah. thing I find in the dog training community mm. that no offense, Steve, but if there's a man in the dog training community, they always have a gaggle of adoring female fans yeah, yeah and it doesn't seem to happen the same way for women and the dog training industry does seem to be dominated by women so I do think we could be a lot better at at supporting each other well yeah. I'm, I'm I'm gonna be I'm going on the lookout now for my gaggle of adoring female fans that are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly certainly Steve, not my experience when he goes off to pack does he have lots of Women flocking around him, asking him questions. I mean, waiting with bated breath for his answer. Yeah, he does. But me and Corin, you know, we shoot him down. Just keep that yeah. ego down. You yeah. know what I mean? Good. You don't want to let him get too above his station. I've got so. a, a literal spiky stick that I'm beating with on a uh, <laughs> on a regular basis to keep my ego in check. <laughs> I think that's that needs to be the new pack hoodie, though. Surely, Steve Tareem. <laughs> <laughs> If my if my harem has got anything in it, it's a Newfoundland, and that's it. <laughs> that's my only. That's my only adoring female we'll get, fan. We we'll get a dribble bib, a dribble bib for peaches, please. <laughs> so, do, but do, they do say that generally about women that women don't necessarily like other women succeeding, and it is it. You yeah, know, I I think it's a massive thing that we are uh, trying to um, alleviate with yeah. our work impact. And you know, Good. build each other up. And I think yeah. I uh, sometimes I think it all comes from a place of um, uh, lack of confidence and mm. uh, you know upbringing, basically, yeah. and what they life experience. So um, it's certainly a reason that I've stepped away from social media a lot more. And uh, I, I would much rather just take people as they are, you know, when I meet them, because I think. Yeah, social media is doing a lot of, of, of good, but also not so good um, in terms of relationship building. And maybe we need to um, have a, a, a guide of being more human centric as well as dog centric so that we can understand our own ethology. <laughs> yes. And then we and then we can appreciate a different species ethology. <laughs> that's, the, that's the next book, Steph. Dog training, <laughs> a human-centric approach. Yeah. 
So here's, be funny, I think. Is <laughs> a is a question that occurred to me. So there's there's lots of topics covered in the book. It is a it is almost a puppy bible almost you know it's almost everything from from choosing a puppy right the way through up to adolescence and even some sort of like talk about adolescence at the end um were there any subjects in the book that i'm I'm thinking predominantly that so when i'm reading the nutrition thing i think you i think you um you navigate this really well in the book by the way the nutrition part of it i think it's really well done but i often wonder when people are writing things like that does that make you nervous about sort of like you know i'm going to be giving bit of advice about nutrition here and oh my we know what people are like in the nutrition world you know the camps and things that people well in every world but was there anything in the book that made you nervous to put it out like as as it was released to the world you might have been a bit I know you're standing with Turid so that might have helped a little bit um (laughs) but was there anything that made you nervous about it I think there are things um that made me a little bit nervous um like yeah, I think the food was one. I think the the neutering was maybe another mm-hmm. another point that um I was a bit worried about, and I I'm not sure if if I managed to balance it out a little bit, um. But Turid would be a little bit um skeptical in some ways of vets. Mm, okay. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know. Yeah. I wanted the caveat for nearly everything to be, but obviously, if you're worried, go to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get sued. Yeah. But she was like, no, no, no. The poor dogs are stressed. They shouldn't be brought to the vet in those situations. <laughs> so there were things like that, I guess. That, and like you say, the nutrition, there's so many different views. But I think what we tried to give was was our our views rather than maybe yeah dictating and saying this is the way you absolutely must do it and as you say everyone has their opinion on these things and we gave our opinion I hope we didn't claim to be and especially with the neutering I think what I did try to do um was refer to a literature review which had kind of overlooked all of the I felt that was a fair thing to refer to yeah um because it was a review of the literature that had been done. It wasn't just picking one study and saying, look, here's a study that backs up what we yeah. think. Um, but equally, if you're if you're writing a book, you have to be honest. You have to say what you think. There's no point writing a book that doesn't give any opinions, is there? Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think you you do that brilliantly throughout the book as well. That not only do you do you point to studies, reviews, things like that, where people can find out other, even other books by other authors as well to find out more about that's littered throughout the book. There's those wonderful bits with Scout um, that are like checking in throughout. And I, and I love that. That's a really nice because it's like a, a real world look at what's going on and the challenges that um, Georgia, Georgia was having with Scout for, um, throughout and the things that were going well. Um I I think what what works, what makes it all work is this constant like going throughout the book, the thread of going back to this is what happens in a in a more natural environment. This is what, you know, if um if we look at wild canids, and obviously we know, you know, dogs are removed from wild canids, but like we're looking at this from this point of view, and this is what might be affecting the behavior over here. And um and how can we learn from this over here and and see like Nat pointed out earlier on like here's what we would like here's what happens over here how can we maybe 
meet in the middle and and, and make the experience a lot easier for our puppies. Um, yeah. And that's something I haven't seen in a puppy book before. Um, and why I think it's it's really nice, really, really nice to see. Thank you. Yeah. And that's what we want. We just want the puppies to have a nicer existence. I think it's really hard being a puppy in a human world. <laughs> so I think what we really wanted was, and I think when we were talking about this, I think that we were maybe doing doing like a, a written interview for Mark Beckoff about it. We were talking, myself and Tourid were talking about it. And we were saying that, I guess, really what we're asking people to do is less. So it's not, <laughs> we're hoping that will appeal to people because I, I don't know. You guys have kids, haven't you? No. Human kids. No, you don't. Uh, no. Okay. No. Well, I, I do. I've, I, as I said, I've recently uh, acquired a human child, and one thing that really struck me when, when we had her, was all that toxic positivity. People would stop you and say, "Oh, it's such a precious time, and you know, enjoy it, and you know this." And it's, it's, it's really, really hard. Like I wasn't enjoying it. I'll be quite honest. I was, I was exhausted, and I felt like a tethered nanny goat. Um, and I think when people get puppies, it can be that same sort of overwhelming thing that everyone just stops you and tells you how cute your puppy is. And then, you know, it's really hard at home and you go and you look online and there's a hundred different pieces of advice and people are really confused and they they don't know what they should be doing. Um, so I guess what we were hoping to do is give people quite a a simple approach that that was maybe more intuitive and that wasn't. And that recognise that actually it's it's not that easy. Yeah. Raising puppies and there's not necessarily a really simple, convenient solution. Sometimes the solution is not necessarily what you'd want. Like, you know, when puppies aren't sleeping, probably what people don't want to hear is just let your puppy sleep with you because in their head, their puppy was going to sleep down in the kitchen silently from 10 p.m. until 8 a.m. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's such an amazing way of explaining it and I think that's what kind of resonates when I was reading it because ultimately right living with a dog should be relatively simple um but most of most of us that feel that way are you know professional dog trainers behaviorists whatever or they they have positioned themselves in a dog-centric way of thinking so they don't get pissed off when their dog is digging in the garden because <laughs> dogs dig yeah. <laughs> they don't uh, lie awake at night googling how do I stop my dog barking at the postman because <laughs> dogs bark <laughs> and I think you know obviously there is some bait I'm, I'm maybe being a little, little bit um uh loose with my words there and then sometimes there are genuine you know issues and safety issues but um most of the time I think we we don't give dogs the benefit of the doubt for all the adaptation they've done and you know we've got a very tricky job sometimes as trainers because we are telling people things that they really don't want to hear mm. um like your dog would sleep fine if you just open the crate door or you know yeah. all those kind of things that that um make us then maybe maybe we get branded with being uh you know tree hugging dog snoggers um, <laughs> dog snoggers i love that <laughs> or cookie pushers 
<laughs> and um, you know, my favorite thing to say to any puppy clients I work with is um I'd say, yeah, it's hard. That's why I have that's why I get adult rescue dogs. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> but yeah, you're struggling for a reason, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. And you know what? Again, coming back to the human thing, it's so hard raising a member of our own species. So it's to take in a member of another species. Yeah. Yeah. And try and do that like it's a huge ask we we would be probably very slow to do it with lots of other animals like if someone said hey would you like a baby elephant to raise we'd probably know that was not going to be a very easy task and would say no but yeah I, mean, I think I mean people... I'm up for that just saying if anyone's listening out there I'm I'm up for that um <laughs> me too actually I love elephants yeah <laughs> but I probably wouldn't try and raise one here in my mid-terrace house no I move yeah <laughs> But I, I think people, again, it's that idea that everyone has that raising a puppy, it's all cuteness and fluff and light and people just don't necessarily, and they forget because, of course, most people get puppies 10, 12, 15 years apart. Yeah. They've forgotten yeah. how hard it was when they go to do it again after that big, long gap. But, yeah. well, but... That's, that's what mammals have got down to a T, isn't it? They look cute. Yeah. yeah. It's a baby. It's a good job. And they <laughs> The oxytocin has a sort of memory <laughs> effect on your memory. Like, oh, bad. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One, one half of you is like, you little nibbles. Like, mm, mm, mm. Just, just got to say, I've written down tree hugging dog snogger because that's got to be Brilliant. a t shirt, hasn't it? Okay. Definitely. Yeah, dog I'll buy one of those t shirts. <laughs> so, we're, that's we're, the best tree hugging dog snogger. <laughs> We said we should we should definitely get them made. I like it. I love okay. it. <laughs> All right. I don't um, know where these things come from, but yeah. <laughs> I I think some of the wonderful things, like going back on that theme about sort of like you you look at um so we've already talked about already on the podcast and one of the other sections about how you talk about um when dogs would naturally leave their siblings, naturally leave their mums. Some don't ever do it. You know, and, and then you look at the numbers and then you run the numbers in your head about when we um, adopt puppies and when we wean puppies and and those two things aren't quite melding together. There's also, um, the again, about sleep, about how a dog will generally always choose to sleep nearby, either you or another dog. And again, you, you look at the juxtaposition between what we expect from dogs. Um, there's a wonderful bit in it. And I'm... I'm going to forget the name of the dog. Is it Bran? I think this is um, a little may have a puppy you were working with. And, uh, the and there's like a little... Spaniel. Yeah. Or the water yeah. dog. The, Spani- Port- the Portuguese Port- water yeah. dog. And there's a little bit, there's a little uh, block in the book where it's just talking about how um, Bran was... Ba- so the problem was Bran was barking, I think, when the people are making their food. Um, and and how, from from again, from that sort of human sort of thing it's it feels like it might be demand barking like i want food i want food and when when you looked into it um it actually was something to do with the fact that the kibble was really hard so yeah bran did want food but they hadn't considered that the fact that the kibble was so hard it was hurting bran's teeth so when they changed the food suddenly the barking stopped and littered throughout this book there's all sorts of examples of that of how we can look at it in a different way, if we look at it in that dog-centric approach, then what we might consider to be a problem behaviour 
suddenly it's like oh i get it oh right there yeah. we were talking about um the word crepuscular you know oh they're, they're mental in the morning and in the evening because of that okay <laughs> i get it you know like you know there's it's it's absolutely peppered with those examples and it really yeah. does make you take a more empathetic approach even for me as someone who you know i do i run puppy classes do even reading this even upped my level of empathy even a little bit you know um which is wonderful um great to hear yes yeah because you never know i guess when you're uh, when when you're working with dogs yourself you, you never know and you've had your own path and you've learned certain things from certain people you kind of never know where everyone else is at and if if when you asked me at the beginning was it for dog trainers you don't know what all the other dog trainers know and obviously everyone has their own special area of expertise where they know more than other people do. But I kind of didn't know when we were writing the book in a way, if dog trainers would look through it and say, yeah, 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 know all this, nothing new here for me. So it's really nice to hear that even as, you know, very experienced dog trainers, that there were still things that you could take from it and apply. Always, always, always. And yeah, I think um, it's just lovely to also be kind of affirmed in yes. your because the, the thing <laughs> I always have is um you know am I the weirdo here like am I the <laughs> one that is okay with digging what you... <laughs> you know and then you're like no okay it is um I'm not I'm yeah. I, I am weird we're we're okay <laughs> with that but uh, what I mean is in you know general um population of 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 dog owners um so I think it is it's always good to kind of regroup and um yeah self-affirming to read books like yours and Turid's and and just think yeah okay yeah I'm not I've not gone too far the other way yet that's good (laughs) I'm not the only mad dog snogger exactly (laughs) exactly and to be to be open to learn as well not think that you like know because that's a sure sign that you're probably going down the wrong path if you're you know like a curmudgeon sat in a room you know, I know everything and all of this. You know. I wanna. I this is an anecdote I love to tell. But one of the wonderful things. So for our pack students, um, I review the homework, which I've always thought it would be a great thing to do. So they send video submissions in, and I review the homework. What I didn't expect, and this might be you know bad on my part, which is one of the most wonderful things, is I've picked up things that from them that they're doing in their homework videos, like ways of delivering food, for example, or certain um, body language cues that it's easy to see when you're watching someone do something that I've taken away and used myself, you know? Um, yeah, so you should always be open to to learning from anyone, everyone and anyone. You should never shut your brain off. I think that's a, it's a really, really bad thing if you're going down that Every road. Every day is a school day, isn't it, Bob? Certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly is. There was um there was one bit, Steph, if you don't mind me asking. Well, not one bit, but, you know, part part of the book is, and I know it wasn't designed to be a kind of, this is how you train X, Y, Z. It's very, it's, it's more, um, it's more storytelling than that and more holistic. Um, but, um, you know, both of us picked up on kind of the, the lack of maybe um, food involved with so it's all positive reinforcement and ethical was that kind of a a deliberate thing or just trying to keep it simple because with the best will in the world it would 
it would be lovely if if um you know everyone had that relationship with their dog that didn't depend on squeaky cheese yeah but sometimes <laughs> sometimes yeah. you know it's it's got to be done um yeah. and yeah I just wondered what your thoughts were on on that and um whether you had any discussions uh, about the kind of the more mechanical kind of positive reinforcement training yes. if that makes sense and that's a brilliant question and um I wish I could give you possibly a clearer answer than the one I'm going to give uh, one of our students was asking about this as well the other day and I guess what I was thinking about it is that this treat giving maybe is 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 on a spectrum and I think since I've known Tourage she has moved more and more away from using food mm-hmm. um, and she's got some great ways of explaining it but w- one thing she often says is that you know it can be really distracting for the dog she said imagine if you were trying to read a really complicated manuscript and someone kept stuffing smarties in your mouth that it sort of it, it stops them from focusing Mm -hmm. and I know there are definitely things that I use food for that Turid is able to do without food Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it if it's habit on my part that I started learning off starting started off using food um but I guess I definitely find over time I may be trying to move a little bit more in in Turid's (laughs) direction with that um and I think what was changed when I if you read Turid's book on loose lead walking and when I learned loose lead walking with Turid she was using food whereas now she doesn't use food when she's teaching and that's another wonderful thing about Turid she is always reviewing and like we were saying about learning new things and reviewing how she's how how she's doing things and I think I had originally done the bit about loose lead walking based on what I had learned from tour and she was like no 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 that's not how we do it anymore and part of it is Natalie as you say she says the people aren't very good at it and people you've seen it people are using food and they're reinforcing this that and the other and it's mm-hmm. not it's not in any way clear to the dog what they're being reinforced yeah. for mm-hmm. so I think there's an element of that that you know when it's a book for normal people you're you're maybe wrongly presuming that they have a, a basic understanding of conditioning and, and what they're meant to be doing with food. Um, but I think also, I think Andrew Hale had a great quote there a little while back that, um, was, I can't, I'm probably going to misquote him horribly now, but the rewards and punishment were different sides of the same coin. You were still manipulating someone else's behavior by yeah. by managing the outcomes yeah and a friend of mine who was studying human psychology was saying that's kind of where it's going in human psychology that that kind of quadrant of managing behavior there's more of a question about how ethical it is to do that even if you're not using kind of passives yeah yeah that's really really interesting and yeah Mm -hmm. great answer i can't take credit for that question because uh Steve said it in the break and I've just stolen it completely but now right. I feel guilty about it so yeah. um but what? it was something it's something we were talking about and that makes complete sense to me and I think what if anyone is listening and um 
has read the book and is thinking, oh my God, what are they saying? Are they saying use food, don't use food? It, the answer is, it depends. The answer is, it's complicated. And the answer is, if we use Turi's analogy of um, it would be distracting to be putting Smarties in your face if, if you're reading a manuscript, our dogs, let's say the relationship with us is that manuscript. Our dogs have to fundamentally be interested and invested in that manuscript in order to be distracted by the food. So, and that's when you don't need the food if they're already invested. And so it's it's kind of like going all the way back to the beginning in the earliest stages of the book where it's like, this is this is what a dog is and this is how we can look at the world and relationships from the dog's point of view. And if you crack that and you've got a good relationship, then you probably may not need to work as hard on some of those training things because it's all sort of falls into place because you're thinking a different way yeah i hope that i hope that is the right kind of thinking with what where you're going is that i think so and as i said like i'm not as i will put my hands up i'm not as good as as who it is at this stuff and i would like if i'm trying to teach a dog something that's not that intrinsically rewarding Mm -hmm. like i would use quite a lot of food if i'm trying to teach recall Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. let's face it there are squirrels in the world. <laughs> there are, yeah. yeah. There are bins full of food and there are other dogs. Yeah. Um, and it, another thing I think really does play into it as well is is the environment that you're in. Um Yeah, I was like, going to say that. I was going to bring that up because yeah, it's you you kind of if you're on the if you're on the front lines if you're doing puppy classes in like an urban environment or something like that it is different mm-hmm. to if you are you know somewhere else in a more rural kind of environment with your dogs and everything is kind of you know calm and relaxed and it, it, it is different and another way of looking at it as well is you know people i i agree 100% that people rely too much on food maybe i even fall a little bit into that category sometimes as well but there are other there's other reinforcement at play as well and having a basic understanding of what's going on in terms of what is what is reinforcing for your dog and 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 a personal approach to the dog that you're working with is really important in those situations as well i think but yeah, yeah. the environment is massive massive yeah and it is like i one one thing i like i hate to see a dog who's so who when they're out and they're so focused on the owner and the treats that they're not actually enjoying their walk. Yeah. I think oh, that's, completely. Like, that's a horrible yeah. thing to see. Yeah. 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 And you see a lot of trainers posting videos of dogs like this and they're delighted because they think, look, here's a dog now who's really obedient who we have control over. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, but I, I'm, I, yeah, as I say, I, I do still use food, but I, I try and use, I try and use it sparingly. Um, and certainly, I try like on my when I'm doing social walks for reactive dogs. The only thing I use food for is treat searches. Now, people will often they'll have maybe gone to another trainer and they'll have their bag of treats. And I don't say, no, you're not allowed to use those treats. Um, But yeah, I would I would definitely try in those situations when there is sort of high emotions and maybe dogs who are who are struggling. I, I would definitely try and not add the confusion of food in those situations I but in puppy classes yeah. I would probably use maybe more treats if we're doing something like recall or something that the dog is going to find maybe not that it'd be interesting to do when there are other dogs around and people and bins and <laughs> I, I think this you know 
we could probably talk for hours about this and this is where maybe the difficulty and the getting people on board you know general public dog guardians yeah. is difficult because um i would be exactly like you with you know dog to dog or dog to people reactivity food is just going to overshadow what on earth is going on and and probably the dog isn't going to learn what we want them to learn which is that this is a safe experience that you can take at your own pace mm -hmm. and it's not contingent your interactions are not contingent on anything else that you may be motivated by but if i don't explain myself well um or the people aren't listening what they're hearing is i went to nat and she said don't use cheese anymore yeah <laughs> okay well then what what I say, but, oh god yeah. <laughs> but, oh god natalie likes rubbish yeah, yeah. and so i think uh, maybe and that's why i love like chatting to people on this podcast because it we do need to just relax a bit yeah. and, and and speak openly and if we don't understand something or we're a bit like what you know yeah. we've maybe stopped having open conversations about things because yeah. they get their backs up a bit too much but um and yeah that's what i that's what i think uh, and i really hope um this book will foster is those discussions you know like i just imagine a little book club and people thinking well i read this one what do you think yeah. so, <laughs> and they don't have to be 100 percent on board do they but if they're thinking about it brilliant yes and you don't need to be 100% able to do it. Sometimes yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a pipe dream. But one thing I have discovered over the years with Tourid is that often Tourid is saying things and um, it can just sometimes take 10 or 15 years for the science to catch up with her. <laughs> she, yeah. is <Yoda. laughs> she is Yoda. So I always have this sneaking suspicion that if Tourid is saying something, even if I, I can't quite get my head around it at this moment in time, that she probably is right and it will all become clear in yeah. time that's yeah yeah that's good it's well well worth listening to isn't it in that yeah. in that respect um some of the things i wanted to talk to you a little bit about because you do puppy classes steph am i right in saying that i do yeah so one of the things i wanted to talk a little bit about was first of all the things that i've incorporated into my puppy classes from this book because i thought it might be nice to hear like you know um some of the things that some trainers might be doing because you've written this book. So that's quite yeah. nice. So a couple of the things that um, I've introduced is the universal hand signal. Um, yes. I like the universal hand signal. It's really, really cool. And I, I still I, call it Turid's hand signal, but she doesn't like you calling it that. I think the universal <laughs> hand signal is quite a mouthful when you're introducing it to, you know, tired puppy guardians. Oh, the what? The universal what me, what me now? And I also thought I was quite worried that the concept would be because of its simplicity, the concept would yeah. be really difficult for people to grasp. It's like, how the hell are they going to, you know, like, yeah. but I, it's worked really well in my puppy classes. It's worked really well. And I've had some wonderful feedback um, from people who are like, oh, you know, you first started doing it, you know, first week, you know, felt a bit silly, like I'm going to the toilet, see you later, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But then yeah. as the weeks are progressing, I'm really starting to see it because they've been consistent with it. And obviously dogs, experts at reading human body language as much as they are reading dog body language so that's yeah. been a really good one the other one is the <laughs> the other one is the um uh just popping all of their gear on their harness their lead and just sitting down and doing nothing that's okay. been a really good one and we've uh, we've introduced that into our classes and actually my classes have become 
a little bit more of a of a not that I was it wasn't ever like an exercise after exercise after exercise but I've 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 made them even more of a sort of we do a lot more relaxing sitting down um a lot more sort of a lot more um, structured in chew time for the puppies so that I can then talk to the guardians a little bit more um yeah and and those things have worked really well I was always doing things like you know like you talk about the attention sound what I would call positive interrupters you know those sorts of things as well but really um helpful things you know really things that you that are going to help it, both parties you know I mean yeah, you go on in the book about sits. It's been a long time since I've taught sits in any class, to be quite honest. Um, I know what I know how we all feel about sits. I think we all share this the same feelings about them. But one of the reasons I stopped doing it is because everyone teaches their dog a sit day one anyway. So it's not really, you know, it's not really something you need to ever cover anyway, <laughs> regardless of whether you like it or not. Um yeah. so yeah, I and I and I did notice, I did a bit of Facebook stalking today, uh, Steph, and I did notice that your classes, I think you do like four sessions kind of with the dog and four sessions online or three sessions online or something. I've often yeah. thought about that because I think on when when the pandemic hit, um, like everyone, we scrambled to go like online with puppy classes, you know, baptism of fire on Zoom and all of that thing. Um, and I really enjoy doing puppy classes online because of that like idea of like, oh, I can just talk to you and you can give your dog mm -hmm. a chew and they can be down there having a snooze by your feet while you hear about, you know, how to build confidence over time with puppies, you know, being able to leave them alone and, and all of the wonderful concepts that are that are in this book. And I, I think there's a real, you know, the more we can guide our classes in these sorts of directions, the much better it would be. I remember when we interviewed Turid the first time and I said, oh, I run puppy classes. And and um, and I think I mentioned that we have like a maximum of seven puppies in the class. And I remember our eyebrow going up and going, yeah. oh, you must be a very good dog trainer if you have seven puppies in your class. And I remember thinking, oh, God, I've been told off. Um, <laughs> But that yeah. was definitely that was definitely a backhanded compliment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't I didn't take it as her saying I must be very good. I definitely yeah took it the other it's way. Okay, I was teaching on it on a class with Tourid a few weeks ago, and I was showing some videos for her, like she wanted of, of dog body language, and the default one that was on my player was um <laughs> just some puppies doing a treat search together in my puppy classes, and she was like. Oh, I don't know what that is, but that looks chaotic. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> just just die die a little bit inside yeah. and move along. <laughs> uh, like, oh yeah, that's awful. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that is. <laughs> yeah, but I mean I mean I've I've I I think again, this is why I think this book can be invaluable for trainers and guardians alike. I think there's there's something for everyone in there. So what it's a wonderful resource to have. It really, really is. I've I've been singing its praises since it came out, and quite often now we're we're in a lovely position now where people actually send us books from time to time. Yeah. I went out, I bought this one, bought it. Yeah, because yeah. I offered to send you it. Yeah, and you I, told know, me I said I've already got it. it. Yeah, already got it. And so, yeah, it's been it's been really good. And again, I'm not just gushing and you know um, over and over again, but it's, it's well worth people picking up. Well worth people reading. It really is. Thank you, Steve. And and well worth people reviewing. We're always trying to gather reviews, uh, online reviews. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
fab okay well that yeah if, if yeah. people um have gone out and after listening to me and Steve or have it already on their shelves then yeah get on uh, Amazon Pop yeah. it a review. Oh, those Amazon reviews do help, don't they? They do help us. They do. And actually, you don't have to have bought it on Amazon. If you bought it somewhere else, but if you, because I know a lot of people don't really like supporting Amazon, mm. but if you've spent over 40 euros on Amazon in a year, you can review it anyway. Oh, I so didn't people know. People I know who, who haven't bought it from Amazon have still gone and, you know, bought it somewhere else, but they've put the review on Amazon. Oh, okay. And I, I think Amazon links into Goodreads as well. So I think if you leave a Goodreads oh. review, they count it in your rating, even if they don't show the review. Um, Good to know. Good we better to know. get on that. We better get on that then, Steve. Oh no! Yeah, both have, we can't have we can't have Steph on and then not review the book. I mean, no, we know we say we're a recommend, but we should get on there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> One final little thing. I only noticed this today, actually, as I was looking through. Um, I noticed that Jessica Pierce wrote you a little a little passage. And she's yes. she's been on before. She's going to be the next returning author because she's yes. coming. Oh, brilliant! You coming... will have to hand hand over your non-existent trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll always be the first, again. won't I? You'll always be the first. Always. You'll always be the first. <laughs> yeah, I think we're we're going to talk about her and Mark's book, A Dog's World. Um, yes, and Mark did a review as well. Did you see Mark did yeah, a review? I've seen that one in there as well. Yeah, we're hoping Mark yeah. Mark might come on with Jessica, but he's a bit he's a busy boy. So, um, so we're not sure yet, but hopefully, fingers crossed. But it, Jessica's amazing. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward. She sent me her new book as well. I can't remember what the title of the book escapes me now, but yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah. Many, many books to read. So many books. I know you must be busy reading all those books. Yeah, I mean, well, it's wonderful, isn't it? Like, it's 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 so good. It's so good to read, and and sometimes I listen to them on audiobook as well, and you know that helps sometimes. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, you've been so lovely again. Thank you for all the very nice things you 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 said about the book. It's always lovely to hear. There's always a bit of um, bit of imposter syndrome, so it's always. Oh gosh. Nice. Well, <laughs> yeah, we all get that, but there's no need. It's it's I'm real. Tourid. I don't think Tourid gets imposter syndrome. <laughs> well, neither would I if I was Jewish. <laughs> no, no, yeah, in fairness, yeah. Yeah, imagine what that's like. It'd be nice. Yeah. No, no imposter syndrome. Wouldn't yeah. that be wonderful? <laughs> okay, well, um, well, we'll bring the interview to an end then because if I, if yeah. I, if I hear rightly, I think my harem are hungry. <laughs> Your harem? Yeah. I'm going to have to go and go and let them out. Let them out of the dark. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Thanks, how to Thanks, raise a puppy, dog centric approach. Go out, go buy it, go review it if you've if you've read it. Um, yeah, can't say enough good things about it. Well, thanks so much for your time as well. We really appreciate it. Right. Thank you. We're gonna do what All we right. norm- we're gonna do what we normally do, which is a fake buy. Yeah. And then I'm gonna press stop, and then you got to hang around, and we will do a real buy afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fake buy. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> Hi. Well, there we go. That was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. as always. Always lovely. Um, Yeah, Steph, wonderful. Um, Steph is is lovely. So easy to talk to and just uh, an all-round good egg. An all-round good egg. Nice to hear some stories about Turid as well. Yoda. (laughs) Oh, do you know what? I hope it's not disrespectful, but there there needs to be some Photoshop happening, surely. (laughs) Um, I'll just leave that out there listeners just leave that out there (laughs) 
So it's been a while, but I thought I heard a little knock on the door a second ago, and it might be Greggy Wallace. Oh. Should I go and answer the door now? I reckon. I reckon. Yeah. We'll check out how he's been doing. Whoa. It's the Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh, there's old Greg. No. It's, nice, it's nice to hear Greg's back. Greggy, Greggy, Greg, Greg. I missed um, him. I heard something on the radio about Greg Wallace. Apparently he is a legend on Twitter because he just posts his diary, like 9am, gym, 9.30, eggs on toast, 10 o'clock, meeting. Well, it's just literally just, just very yeah. matter of fact. Yeah, I'm not I'm not on Twitter, so I don't I can't see it. But if anyone out there is on there, oh. let's know if that's true. Wow. What a legend. Or, um, or X as it is now called since Oh well, since yeah, no one calls it that though, do they? Since Elon took over. Do one, Elon. <laughs> um I'll probably get shot now, won't I? <laughs> you might sent to space. You might <laughs> <laughs> sent to Mars. Sent to Mars. Can't have it out then. Sorry, Elon. <laughs> um, okay, so Greggy, Greggy, Greg, Greg. Uh, my, I, I have a love affair with language anyway and some particular words. And much like some people have earworms for songs, yep. like some of your catchy um, jingles, yep. I get earworms for words. Sometimes I just get a word stuck mm. in my head and i just say it over and over again to myself i'm letting you in for too much information here anyway one of these words is crepuscular, crepuscular. and it features it features rather heavily in this book and if you don't know what it is then add it to your repertoire um crepuscular cre- crepuscular crepuscular it's, it's fun to say crepuscular it uh, crepuscular is one of my favorite words exacerbate is another one Oh. Um yes. Um how do you how do you rate the word moist? It's revolting. People struggle with that one, don't they? Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan. No. Um uh well, let's save Nat's favorite words <laughs> for for another day and and I'll just give you a little Nat definition of crepuscular and it's a, a description of a species that is most active at dawn and dusk. So think uh, uh, mostly mammals, so think deer, think um, dogs. Yay! So um, they they'll be holed up and be safe overnight, so they're not nocturnal. Um, during the day, they might live in climates um, that are either too hot or busy or whatever. So they just have lots of downtime during the day, and then that kind of activity. So all the hunting, the playing, the Foraging, the scavenging, the journeying um, is done at dawn and dusk. So, um, so, so, th- why is this relevant to pups then? Crepuscular, massively relevant to pups yeah, because right. anyone that's lived with a puppy, you suddenly have to get up earlier. Yeah, and also, so yeah, waking up early is not just about needing a wee and being lonely. No. It's actually like programmed into their genetics that that is the time they wake up uh because that that's what a dog is supposed to do um we're we're very different in our um you know sleep patterns and activity patterns um and we are 
diurnal, I think is the right word. So diurnal. we're actually in the, in the day. Supplement um, school day on the podcast. Oh, I'm it? sorry. No, I'm I like sorry. it. I like Let it. Let me just uh, put I'm a, my I'm all professor in. coat on. So, um, how, so in the book, they talk about um, that uh, dogs are able to adapt to us. Yes. Um, over a period of time. So you might see this crepuscularness. <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> um, maybe more in a puppy because, you know, the, the, yeah. you know the, the, that is what being a dog is like. But as time progresses, you might see them adjusting more to your human rhythms. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And I think uh, as as a puppy, that kind of uh, zoomies at, at 8 p.m. is, is probably... Uh, can be explained a lot by that crepuscular activity um i i use the fact that dogs are crepuscular to not feel guilty about me having a pretty full working day okay okay. now i'm very lucky i i work from home um i can take breaks whenever i want really but most of my sort of dog walks activity I'm spending time with them all the time, but it's downtime, yeah. you know. So the because it fits around my routine, I, I alleviate that guilt by thinking, well, they're crepuscular. They can have a, a walk or play at the end of my working day. And that is kind of that meeting of humans and dogs and, and um, you know, whatever works individually, great. Um, but I, I always think that people are surprised about um, how many hours you know dogs should be sleeping i think yeah. maybe because dogs are so adaptive and wonderful uh, a lot of people have a, a, a sort of misunderstanding that they simply get the eight hours at night like we do and then they live live a sort of diurnal existence whereas actually it, it is not like that well you've you've segmented me or you've led me right in to the words that i wanted to bring up which is also yeah. In the book. professionals isn't it very professionals. good which is the word <laughs> polyphasic um get you so yeah this is go this has gone quite sleep centric but i think again in 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 the in the way that um crepuscular um helps us understand our puppies more i think polyphasic helps us understand this whole sleep problem because mm. you you will say to puppy guardians when you all oh, they need somewhere in the region of you know 18 20 hours sleep or whatever as a puppy and everyone goes what the mm-hmm. you know you see you see their faces go well they're they're never getting anything like that, but because they don't, they have polyphasic sleeping patterns. They don't sleep in like massive blocks like us human animals do. Mm-hmm. Um, they get it in various blocks throughout the day. So mm-hmm. you are adding that up to that twenty hours. You know, obviously they get they get some big blocks in the evening as well as they adjust to our circadian rhythms. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, I read that. Um, uh, but yeah, so. Um, I think yeah, these things are are really good. Um, I heard a figure thrown in the book somewhere. I can't see where it is now, but they a dog will get about I think it said forty percent of their sleep during the day. Um, so again, you know that that helps inform how you set up your routines to have a dog centric approach to sleeping mm-hmm. for a dog. You know, we're we're always trying to trying to get the dog to fit in with our lives but sometimes knowing these things you know knowing that they are crepuscular and have polyphasic sleeping patterns you don't need to be able to say the words and recite them obviously you don't want to be throwing too much jargon at you know new puppy guardians who are sleep deprived but 
these things will give them a level of understanding about why things are happening. You know, um, you know, mm. they woke up early, but they didn't need the toilet. What's going on there? I mean, puppies are likely to need the toilet as soon as they get up. But I think, again, it's that dog centric approach, isn't it? And, and knowing knowledge is power. Indeed. And with knowledge great power. power comes great responsibility. <laughs> it's a Spider-Man. Spider-Man quote there for everyone. Well um, but yeah, so they, 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 there's some nice Greg Wallace moments there. Some, some words, some knowledge, um, and some things that help people understand puppies, which is what it's all about. Yeah. And my challenge to you all is to either fit crepuscular or polyphasic into a sentence. Just cash. Just cash. Casually this week. Yeah. See if you can, see if you can slide one in there. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like the challenge. Um, email us if you manage to with the context mm-hmm. and um, Nat will send you some money. <laughs> <laughs> question. 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 Ah, another, question. another bulging sack. <laughs> how often do you get to just say let that, that land yeah, I, let... well i would like to ask the question how often should you say that no you shouldn't you shouldn't say mm-hmm. it i think i take this opportunity to say it every podcast in fairness um because okay you know you if you oh, i don't know this i was just about you to just say, like talking about your bulging sack i was just, on, I was just about it. to say if you hold it in it's going to come out somewhere but that's oh, that's God. also no good is it that's... the innuendo bingo is off the charts i'm very sorry bookshelvers uh i do apologize just get excited just forward just fast forward this bit <laughs> right okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be um Mm-hmm. Mastermind. Here we go. go we have it. a question from Melissa McHugh McGrath. Ah. <laughs> who that? Who that? <laughs> oh, right. I'm putting you on the spot here. Of all the books you've covered on the show before, which one has challenged and changed your training the most or Oof. gave you a nugget that made you think, holy bazooka, Batman, that never occurred to me. I'm going to try that. Um. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I should have pre- prepped for this one. I will always what uh, the one that really I mean they've all been amazing as yeah so you know they've all been great firstly I want to get that out there but the one that I absolutely adored reading because it took me into another another world and it was about and it was a, it was also like a memoir as well as a dog book was Cat Warren's book um what the dog knows yeah. I really enjoyed reading that and it really I was just kind of getting into the the world of um scent work. Um I hadn't really dabbled that much with it at that point and it it, it just it just opened that world up to me and and it's written in such a wonderful world uh, a wonderful way easy for me to say. Um <laughs> New York Times bestseller I believe. Um, and I'd never heard of, never, never heard of it. I think, I can't remember who, it might have been Melissa, actually. It might have been Melissa that, that. I think it might have been. That tipped us off about that book. Um, wonderful book. Absolutely wonderful. If you haven't, if you haven't read that one, go and read it because it's a, it's a darn good read as well. Um, this book that we're talking about today has had a quite, I've, I've actually, um, you know, changed a few things about how I teach things based on some of the stuff that I've learned in this book. 
Um, and that's been quite recent. So there's two right off the bat. What do you reckon, Nat? Um, I, poss- I, I couldn't possibly choose between the kind of more dog books because I read them all and think, holy yeah. bazooka Batman. Um, so I think the one that changed me the most and made me think more about um, maybe not training. So sorry if this doesn't answer your question, Melissa, but the power of dogs and what they can do and how they can bring people together was um, Jesse's book, uh, the photography book. Oh um, God, yeah, yeah. When dogs heal, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. probably my favorite podcast episode. That one actually. It I was think. a very emotional one, wasn't it? And um, I didn't really know what to expect from that episode. No, the- I didn't know either, and I just thought. It may not have been, you know, that never occurred to me. I, mm. I'm going to try that, but it was just really kind of humbling. Yeah, um, yeah. That that uh, this wonderful species that's chosen to hang around with us for so long ha- can also heal us. In terms so. of in terms of other things, actually, Jane Arden's book Mission Control. I think I I definitely tried a lot of that stuff out. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, that's a really, really good one as well. Really, really good one. Um, oh, they're all good. They're all good, Melissa. They are. They are. As yeah. well you know. It's a trick question. But, yeah, we should, probably, <laughs> we should probably mention, uh, you know, Dogs in the City. But, yes, uh, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Actually, yeah, so that in fairness. Brilliant book, brilliant book. No, it's seriously. In it fairness, there's, some, there's bits in Melissa's book that really did open my eyes to the experience of a dog. The individual lived emotional experience of living in a city. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, yeah. I shout out to everyone. All of the books have been wonderful. Um, yeah, it's hard to pick. Yeah. Great question, Thanks though. Great question. Thank yeah, you. Great question. Uh, next question is from uh, our lovely Heather. Our pack tether. When are you going to launch a packed series of books? I can fill my shelves with. <laughs> I would love to. Um, watch this space over the next twenty years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if anyone can actually sort of you know make the make the day longer, and give us more day. I mean, it's just time, isn't yeah. it? I'd love to write a book. I I'm not. I don't think you I'm have, gonna... mate. You have written a book. Yeah, I know. I I have written a book. Yes, I have. I've written a, ch- a children's book, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. I'm very proud of that book. But I've got another book idea. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not prepared to throw it out okay. over the airways in case someone <laughs> no, 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 someone no, no. steals it. But I've got an. I've got a book idea in my head, and I'm really. I'm really into the idea. But I just. Thought, I think it'd have to be a sort of like retirement type type mm. thing, maybe um, one day. But. Yeah, wouldn't it be lovely to write? Like we would a... love to. It's not. It's not the unwillingness. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Too, um, too busy so, revolutionising yeah. the uh, dog training industry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Heather and the crew will be taking that over with all our graduates. Yeah. So when when we got more of them, we can do all sorts of weird, wonderful things. Um, I think Heather, you, Heather should Heather should write a book. That's what I think. I think everyone should write a book. Everyone should write a book. Yeah. Um, Sarah, hello. Uh, would you be interested in chatting with me again about Dogs in Yellow? Yes, we would. Um, I haven't. Uh, I was on a podcast with Sarah. Um, um, Rachel, um, who works with us, PAC student, friend of podcast. Yeah. Um, was this in that podcast the other day when she turned up? She's, oh, she, she actually said to me when she turned up, she goes, do you know what? I've, I've been listening to a podcast with Nat on it. And um, when I finished, I realized I'd arrived and and hadn't, you know, when you don't, like, 
you've driven and you haven't like, oh, how did I get here? Because they're so engrossed in the in the podcast. So oh, that's high praise lovely. indeed. Yeah, that is hot. Thanks, Craig. Um, yeah, Sarah, I'll, I'll email you. Sorry, I'm just doing my admin on, on the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Dominica, thank you for your message about how Pat Life is treating us. It's very well. We've done some of that in the intro. So hopefully... There will be more updates to come as we do more and more podcasts. I'm sure we can tell you a bit more here, there and everywhere. Um, Right, here we go. Put your brain in, Steve. Zoe. Oh, okay. Yep. I did read this one. Zoe would love a bit of geeky deep dive. I'm not sure we can do a deep dive, but we can maybe stick our toe in the water and park it for another discussion. On the effects of anticipation and predictability and patterns please and which mm. good books are good for these topics what a brilliant question i love our knowledgeable bookshelvers like you know yeah. what i mean yeah I, and i i love that we've got this like just geek crew yeah um that yeah i i would love a deep dive on the effect of anticipation and predictability and patterns um and it's something i i am actually really interested in um, particularly because I share my life with um, uh, a very herdy herding dog, and that's pretty much um, all her life is 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 about. Um, and I I like to know the whys, and so I think um, anticipation um, is so sort of deeply ingrained in a lot of um if you read sort of uh, jack panset the seeking mechanism yep. of um uh what you feel uh, and a lot of uh, dogs are highly driven to to seek and that can be that excitatory arousal anticipation type uh, behaviors it can explain a lot of um, behaviours when people are struggling with the behaviours that their dogs are doing as well. Um, there's a really good book about um, mental health and well-being in non-human animals um, uh, by Frank uh, McMillan, Dr. Frank McMillan, yeah. um, which which looks at some of that as well. Uh, it's kind of a bit of a compilation. It's, it's a lovely textbook um, with some great research in it. Um, but... I I would say let us go back to the um the bookshelves, Zoe, and we'll see what we can do about um pulling um some of those ideas out. Because um whilst we don't want to go too heavy on the neuroscience, I think there's there's some really interesting stuff there um around um emotions and anticipation and yeah, patterns of behavior and how predictable the environment, the relationships are, um, because they can explain um, what would otherwise sometimes look like anomalies in a timeline. But actually, when you start to look at um, behaviours as as more than just, you know, a response to a situation, mm. um, there, there's so much more than that. You know, the complexity is, is what you're talking about. But I hope that... Um, waffle <laughs> uh is of interest and yeah leave it with us we'll see what we can do have we floated the idea of maybe asking dr frank 
to I would love to. Maybe that's something we can explore. Yeah. Yeah. I would I I would love to. Great question. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Zoe. Thank you, Zoe. Um Laura says she sent us a message, but I don't know where it is. Oh, so yeah, so Laura's message, yep, Laura's message is Laura's written a book um, about, I think um, I'm on the spot here without looking at, um, if I remember rightly, the book is about the vet says rest, I think the book is called. So if the vet has told your dog to rest, um, uh, yeah, yeah, so I've I've emailed. Okay. If you're listening, uh, Laura, then yeah, we'll we'll, we'll set something up at some point. Yeah, fab. Thanks for getting in touch. Yep. Um, Okay. That's it. Thanks for your questions, everybody. Fabulous. Um, and yeah, if you do have any other questions or anything you'd like to ask us, feel free to whack them on our Facebook group or you can always email barksfrom at gmail.com um, because we're going to be coming semi-regular with these podcasts now on going forward. So um, questions are always good. We always like to get inside the brains of the bookshelvers um, and uh, see what's going on in there. Because I ain't got a lot going on in my brain, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to um, putting your messages in Steve Bulging sack. There we go. We've gone full circle. Cut. Oh, that brings us to the end. Already. Flies by. Not the end, the end. But, no, you know, just just of this, of this uh, episode, yeah. Oh, me and Colin yeah. went to see Brian Cox do um, a talk about black holes and time and other oh, mechanisms. Uh, it just blows my mind. It was wonderful. We had this huge screen behind him, uh, just the graphics and the talk, and to be that close to Brian Cox was incredible. Although one thing that did wind me up. Mm. Um, his outfit, so he had, he had like a like a set of like cowboyish boots on, you know, very very cool. He had a leather jacket, you know, t shirt, yeah. Like, but yeah, Brian Cox, yeah. great, very very cool yeah. looking. But one, but you know, you know, sometimes when your trouser leg gets caught on the top of your boot, <laughs> for the whole talk, even oh, after even after the no. interval, for the whole talk, I just wanted to go up there and just sort of tuck his little trouser leg over his yeah. boot. Go, okay, come on, Brian, you might know a lot about cosmology and physics, but Sort your Dress, sort your yeah. jeans out, mate. You know, dress yourself, mate. <laughs> I reckon, like little things like that, are what makes the world go around. To be honest, you could write a, a two-page feedback on his talk, just focusing on his trouser leg. Well, according to him, there is another universe where that trouser leg was pristine. So oh, that's um, why he doesn't so give fine. a shit. That's, that's why he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> That's he can do anything. Brian Cox yeah. is basically using physics to explain why he can do whatever the hell he likes. Karen's got a real and soft that... spot for Brian. Um, oh, he's just lovely, lovely man. I bet it's quite dreamy going to see him. When like, he when he walked him. when he walked out, I, I looked over at Karen's face and she's just beaming from ear to ear. Like, <laughs> oh my god, he's not. And we were quite close to him on the stage as well. Brilliant. Hang on, go and see the talk. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, we were saying goodbye, weren't we? We were saying goodbye. Um, Yes, um, thank you so much for listening, gang. I hope you've enjoyed this. It's been wonderful to be back. Um, Do us a favour. If you've got people that you think would like this podcast, 
Um, mm-hmm. Let them know. Word of mouth. Give us a review on any platforms that you might be hearing us on, Apple Music. All of these things really help us um, go out there, reach other people, um, get in the ears of dog lovers everywhere. Um, get them reading books. What yeah. has science in them? Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, as ever, we are going to be um, serenaded out by Grant Sharkey, who appeared Love live it. at Dog X 2023 this year. He did. And his... will be appearing yeah. live at 2024 as well. Sorry, now I'm interrupting No, no, you. it's okay. Um, I blame him entirely for me being an emotional wreck at the end of the conference. <laughs> and I was very overtired. And we'd we'd done it, so it was kind of those relief tears. But also, I just got thinking, you know, when a piece of music just sort of takes you away into a little space, and that's what Grant's music does for me. So. I I, chat, I was outside chatting with him at the end of the conference, and mm. and he's wonderful. For those of you that haven't listened to his stuff, most of it. So the song that we play out with Grow is a very heartfelt kind of emotional. So it's one of my favourite songs in the world, and he's one of mm. my friends, and it's wonderful to have one of your favourite songs be created by one of your good friends um but a lot of his other stuff is quite satirical close to the bone um you know quite funny um so yeah he's 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 really really if he's ever playing anywhere near you because he does he's like a little troubadour he travels around with his big double bass and he goes up and down the country a couple of times a year so if you ever you know get a chance to see him live it's well worth it because it's like it's like a little comedy show as much as it is a musical show oh it's brilliant uh, like like nothing you would have would have ever seen before yeah you'll probably be challenged at some point in it <laughs> um, yeah but that's yeah. all good isn't it we're all in the same boat um yeah. but yeah um and he was chatting about how he loves i think he found it a bit weird the first time he came to our, our conference yeah um, <laughs> But this time, <laughs> it's a bit weird. But this time, yeah, because why? Why would you be doing this at a dog training conference? But this time, he had some really lovely words to say about how he loves our ethos and how the ethos of Pact is is kind of similar to the punk rock sort of DIY ethos that he he loves. And and I, I, really, <laughs> I really enjoyed hearing that about him. And and I think he's he's getting it now. And he did he did sort of um, say that he might actually write a special doggy song for the next one so i like if he does that is on a loop in my car like windows down full blast that's me well not many dog conference not any dog conferences other than ours close out with live music so another reason so, to come to dog x gang um exactly but yeah yeah we got some good we're gonna have some big announcements about dog x which we will throw out on this podcast uh coming up soon so um well, nothing else to say really now other than um, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. No, thank you. No, thank <laughs> you for spending your very precious time chatting yep. crap with me. No, chatting very <laughs> informed stuff about dogs. Um, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. So take care and I will see you soon. And we'll see you, Bookshelvers, for the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this right.
here at the end of a line that stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down, you know, it grows. For feet, for seed, our genes compete. This war is never won. Numbers increase for reason and peace are mass as one with strong. And where opposition exists, it's our duty to persist, resist and fight and defend till the end, another's right to all this, this A wish, a kiss, you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep